you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. On this episode, we get ready to fringe. It's happening. Since 1982, Fringe Theatre Adventures has hosted the iconic Edmonton International Fringe Festival bringing theatre lovers together to celebrate the performing arts. Last year, the beloved festival was cancelled due to the pandemic, which caused a loss of $3 million for the organization and impacted hundreds of artists and festival staff. It was a major hit, but with a year to regroup and innovate, the Fringe is ready to begin building itself up again. This year, Fringe Theatre will present a special edition of the festival called Together We Fringe, a hyper-local, hybrid event featuring live and digital performances. Running from August 12th to 22nd, this year's edition may be a bit smaller in scale, but promises to deliver that same sense of adventure and discovery this theatre festival is known for. Our wonderful summer intern, Aubriana Snow, sat down with Megan Dart and Murray Yudis to find out how the magic of the Fringe Festival returns this year. So uh, maybe I'll just get you both to um, introduce yourself for the podcast. Yes, absolutely. I'll go first. (laughs) Um, My name is Megan Dart, and it is my great pleasure to be the Interim Executive Director with Edmonton Fringe. My name is Murray Yudis, and it's my great pleasure to work with the Interim Executive Director of the Fringe, and I'm the Artistic Director. Now, Megan, I know you're the new Interim Executive Director. Um, Are you able to chat a little bit about your career journey and how you uh, got involved? Sure, yeah. Um, We love telling our fringe stories at the fringe because they're all so different. We all come from very different paths. Um, I started fringing 20 years ago, first as a patron, uh, and then I was a reviewer for a few years. I reviewed with View Weekly and so got a chance to experience the festival that way. And then I came on board as an artist and then a producer, and then I joined the Fringe team full-time almost six years ago now as uh, the communications specialist. And so I was managing a lot of our internal and external communications. And, you know, we grew a lot in that time as an organization, and and we changed, and the festival grew, and uh, I learned a lot over that time. And I'm incredibly grateful for the fact, you know, I got to work really closely with Adam Mitchell, who was the uh, executive director prior to me stepping into this role. I got to shadow him and learn from him. And he's such a generous and kind leader um, and who just shared a wealth of knowledge with me. And I mean, Murray and I have been working. Murray is also one of my mentors, but we've been working together in the community for a long time. We started at Next Fest together a long time ago, and there's a little festival called Expanse in there somewhere too. And um, But Fringe has always felt like, like home for me, and I was so incredibly honored for the opportunity to step into the interim role. Um, and, you know, of course, we'll be recruiting uh, for the position officially in the fall, but yeah, I'm just so thrilled to work with Uh, what is an incredibly passionate team, passionate and skilled team to deliver this version of the festival in pandemic times. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Um, Murray, what's your journey been like? Uh, Well, I mean, I'll tell you that those years with with Megan have been 
um, wonderful that Expanse Movement Arts Festival that she described, Amber Brotzik and I founded that as a, um, a response to the Grant McEwen dance program shutting down. 2005, I think that the program shut down. And it was like, oh, wait a minute, movers, choreographers, uh, um, like how do we how do we have something for them? And we ha I know we're a theater company, but it's like wait a minute, what if we put on an event? And 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 from that, um, Amber and I brought so it was this brand new thing that we tried out. We didn't know if it was going to go or what was going to happen. And we had a little space at the time, which I missed dearly because we built that thing from scratch, living room playhouse. But it was a little 50 seat theater with 14 by 20 stage and nine feet to the ceiling. And we put that festival in that place for the first years of it, but. Megs came on in that journey and in that circle. And there wasn't, at Azimuth Theater, there was two humans and there still is only two humans. It's such a wonderful little theater company that I, close to my heart. I spent a lot of time there. Um, but we built a team out and each of those teams had to be their own department because there wasn't anybody else. But together, what grew from that and, and the humans that, that had that platform, that cared, that just walked it. And we walked that thing through years of growth and, and, and go. But back in myself up to the beginning, I saw my first Fringe Festival in 1989, I saw Mump and Smoot, who was there, also their first festival. And wow, I'm a physical theater performer and a storyteller. To see that type of clown and to see the level at which they perform at, it transformed me in a moment and really changed my path in a sense of all my life I've been on a stage. I had a grade two teacher that I owe my life to who I was always in trouble in school, but one day walked me instead of the office onto a stage and said, do you know what this is? And I was like, I'm home. But there was, you know, the things that move you where you go, ah, you, you're going to go to school and do this instead, or you're going to do this. And so I lost my way for a bit, but it was between 87 and 89 that I changed back to going, nope, I have no choice. I have to do this for the rest of my life. And so as an artist, I performed the first year in 94 and either performed or watched my friends perform and sat in the North beer tent, having some fun with them and celebrating their shows from that moment all the way through. And we care about this thing. We always have artists are at the heart, but everybody's at the heart. There's an army of volunteers. There are sponsors that want to invest in their community that want to be a part of it. And the people that lift it up and, and make it happen, but watching it grow and not really knowing that what we're building here uh, is resonating in the world. For us, it was just being here, but now looking at it from a different lens of seeing how it has grown and what it is. But this was never my path. Never did I think I'd work for a little theater company, but I got this weird thing with numbers. I can balance a budget. So they found out I had a bit of a business degree when it came to Azimuth Theater, right? And then I started producing events, which was out of necessity, like makes that just to put on shows so we could be in them. So I was like, all right, well, posters and handbills and talking to marketing and, and, and the media, I guess we got to do that to, now this, but when this opportunity came my way, my heart was open to it in the sense of I'm humbled by this. This is larger than anything I've ever been a part of. And I'm a bit afraid of it, which I think is a good thing. It is a very and, good thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm coming in going, oh, oh, I just know what this can be in, a, in, in the way that it, it, it resonates um, in such a passionate thing. And I know where we came from. And I'm not going to disappoint those that come from behind me. I'm going to make sure that I honor them in every moment that we go forward. But there was a few things that needed to shift about the festival, right? It kind of, it got big and then it got a little bit proud of being big. And then we had to kind of shake that out of there and be like, let's humble ourselves again on that. And, and let's keep moving because there's room. But if you lose the grassroots, if you lose the humans that make this happen and the humans that come to it and the humans that invest in it, 
and you ignore that and you make it about a brand, I believe you're going down the wrong path when it comes to this event. It's just not what it is. So I had to shake that up a little bit. There's room for all of it, but at its heart, we want to share this with the people who go, oh, we get it. We know what you're talking about and we're in. Those are two really beautiful stories. It's uh, cool to hear um, how how key really that community is uh, to the Fringe Festival. So could you tell me a little bit just in general about this year's Fringe Festival? Whew, okay, well, um, we've been on hold for so long with a plan that we've had built since the time 15 months ago before it all, and we had to get, you know, and it arrived. And then we've just played this mental gymnastics game of like, what is this thing going to be? But I'm going to throw back to Megs to kind of walk out from our heart point of view of what we saw this event to be and, and what it rolls out like. Yeah, this year will look and feel very different. Uh, you know, we've been saying that it will look a lot more like the very first Fringe Theatre event in 1982 than the festival we know and love and left behind in 2019. I think from a planning perspective, we really took community care into consideration every single step of the way. We knew that we wouldn't be able to come back in the same way. We knew that returning to live events uh, after 15 months of a very isolating pandemic would be both exciting and nerve-wracking, you know, and I think for us it was important that we considered as safe an event as possible in that return and uh, ultimately throughout this whole process we were just like how do we get our industry back to work how do we get artists back in front of audiences how do we connect with our community how do we ensure that all of the very many skilled folks who make the fringe happen from behind the scenes can return to their positions and so um, for us it was just mindfully finding a way to piece together a version of the fringe that we could um, celebrate safely that's really awesome so what was the production process like for that I'll talk a little bit about the scenario plans and then like Murray can tell you what it's actually going to look like this year. So as Murray mentioned, basically from the moment we canceled the 2020 festival up until the announcement we made just last week, we started scenario planning and we built sort of this vision for a reduced capacity festival very early on. But then as the pandemic rolled on and as we sort of rode those second and third waves, we in that process built a five-step scenario plan that would walk us all the way back from a reduced capacity in-person event to a fully digital version of the festival, if need be. And of course, with restrictions lifting on July 1st, we knew we would be able to go ahead with our reduced capacity event. Um, but we also knew we wanted to maintain safety mitigations. So, you know, we are keeping crowds really small. Um, we've really spaced out our scheduling this year to ensure there's lots of time in between. Audiences inside venues will be wearing a mask. They'll be socially distant from one another. And we've really rethought the site this year to allow for just a lot of space and, and elbow room for folks, but to also ensure that we're giving ourselves as much time and space as needed to keep things safe. So it was really, it was approaching it from a very different perspective than what we've done in the past, but yeah, Murray, you want to talk about how small we are this year? <laughs> yeah, and <clears throat> when Megs was talking with community, that the one thing that's beautiful about this event is the way that every stakeholder group that connects with us, they have a passion for the fringe. Mm -hmm. and, and and with that comes like, y'all got us all in mind and we hope that you're thinking about us because if you're not, we're gonna, we're gonna come and tell you what we think. And we really appreciate that. And we're, we're humbled by it and also, 
we bring them with us. We were filming not too long ago in a, in a little teaser trailer, and it makes coin this beautiful thing of how we're walking on the shoulders of giants, of those that come before us and going forward and thinking about that with how this went. So we were tiny. I was like, right from my heart from the beginning, I'm like, let's just be tiny. I know we're the oldest and the largest, but this time around, let's not do that. And so we swelled a little bit within our range, um, but we are going to be 52 indoor shows. And to put that in perspective, 2019 was 256 indoor shows. We're going to put that all in eight venues, not the 50 plus that we had also in 2019 and 60% capacity. That elbow room, that, that idea, we want to acknowledge that it's going to be a transition to come back together and that that is, that is like going to feel like people aren't ready just to blow the lid off everything and get back at it. They're ready to come back together. But let's, let's find a way to, to, to make that as like, you know, um, heartfelt is, and, and responsible. And the care that we need to do this is, is at the forefront of, um, of what we're saying. So then with that, that led us to the site. And we went, we can't have 800,000 people walk the site in 10 days. That is just not something we can do. We can't encourage people to come down to the site. How are we going to keep that from happening? And, and, and we know some people might be a little ticked off because their experience about coming to the fringe is walking down, getting a green onion cake or walking in to see something or a busker or whatever it is. And we've still got that for you, but it's more in a controlled way. We've got a fence around the ATV park and you're going to buy a ticket. And then when you get inside, we're going to offer you the full fringe experience from inside there. We're going to let you hang out for a few hours, but then you got to go, right? And then we're going to clean it up and then we're going to bring in another piece of that. And so within that, it was like, just what can we do to make sure that we're taking care of everyone that comes to visit? And if you're like, you know what? I don't like these things you guys have in place. I don't like your rules or your mitigations. And to that from my heart, and I don't mean to be rude, maybe you join us the year after when we can get back to what it was, but this is not that year. This year is for those that maybe don't really want to step into it in that way. They want to dip their toes in the water, but they don't want to be in the deep end, you know? And then for those that don't want to come at all, we got YouTube, right? It's a, it's a hybrid. It's a, we've got some digital, we are live streaming some stuff for you. It's going to be a ton of fun. We are filming a lot of these shows. Our BYOB partners are filming their shows. So the content will be there if you do not want to come around and be in with us we, we we've got you on that as well that's really amazing uh the work you guys are doing to facilitate that transition i know you had mentioned briefly um the impact of the pandemic on local performers are you able to talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. what it's been like kind of coming out of that environment yeah absolutely and we can sort of talk about it a bit from the fringe perspective and then and then i think from a local industry perspective as well but you know canceling the 2020 festival was a three million dollar loss in revenue for us as an organization Uh, but more than that it meant that our community couldn't do what they do you know our 1600 artists who normally participate in the festival could not share their craft with audiences it meant no ticket sales in their pockets it meant that our 300 summer staff went without contracts it meant that our volunteers could not give back to their community in the way that they normally do and so there was sort of this ripple effect of the cancellation of major events and and it's been really hard you know our building has sat empty for the better part of those 15 months. Typically, the ATB Financial Arts Barns are a home to 500 community performance events throughout the year. Um, And our ghost lights were burning bright for the entirety of that 15 months. And so there was a rather gaping hole in our hearts and in our community, I think, over the last little while. And 
the return to it is going to be slow. We've seen skilled labor leave our industry out of survival and out of necessity, and I'm unsure they're going to come back. Or if they do, when they'll be ready to come back. And so I think the rebuild will be slow. I certainly don't think that Fringe will be able to immediately bounce back to what it was previous to the pandemic. I genuinely think that our rebuild is going to take a couple of years and that I think we'll be really intentional in how we rebuild over the next couple of years. You know, I think we can think a lot about what it means to support our community, what it means to provide resource to the artists uh, in our community, to ensure that Fringe is here for another 40 years and beyond is something that we're thinking a lot about. So, yeah, I don't know, Mary, is there anything else from the artist's perspective? Well, and I think there's, there's there's two things that you've touched upon, Megs, that I, I want to expand as well when I look at it. When we talk about those dollars, the one thing that's really heartbreaking about it is that that loss for us is pretty much wrapped up in human resources. Yeah. So all of the people that did not have a gig with us, did not have a contract with us, did not have any of that, or a possibility to create revenue from their shows, all of that was so real. But the trickle effect outwards to our community at large when we bring our event around. That investment was all gone. Cause like our impact, like one of our dollars is equal to like four or five dollars out in the out in the world too. And 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 I think of how everyone and we survived together in a community that was just decimated that now has an event that used to bring around a lot of activity for them. That's gone too. And they need help and they need support. And and that wasn't able to be a reality. From the artists, also a lot of theater artists were we're not film. We're not TV shows. We're, we're we're doing stuff online, and 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 we're trying to keep our spirits up, and and we're trying to like work with that. But it but it's not our forum. Our forum is an exchange of energy. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship with an audience, mm-hmm. and you take that away, and 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 you've got a screen in between us. Um, like I could tell right now, you're a wonderful human, but I don't know how we exchange because we're on a screen. So it's like. That's an important piece of what we do and a connection that was so missed, not only by the artist, but by the audience themselves. But I have to give a shout out to those audiences that support the arts and that got behind us and said, we're hurting too, but whatever you got out there, we want to support you. We want to find a way to help you. We want to dig in. So right there, I think that's what allowed me in the hair of my arms to stand up right now as I say this to continue because I was just so worried about how do we get back but everybody just, we're gonna we're gonna hold you until you do. Like yeah. we're gonna get there and we're gonna get there together. And and the artists now are starting to find that. Like some of them, you know, this this slow transition back. They're like July is still a little quiet, but August is starting to gigs are starting to happen for people. So it's a really good thing that's uh, going down in that way. So the positive is coming, but it's a slow <laughs> build. It is. And I, I'm excited too, Mer, I know you touched on this, but you know, last year in response to the pandemic, we launched Fringe TV, which is our on-demand live stream platform. And it is a tool that we are going to carry with us forever now. And I'm really excited about sort of that intersection between the return to live and all of these new digital tools that we have built and learned over the last 15 months. And to what Murray was saying about our audiences supporting us, like, holy man, you know, we went totally digital last year and we had 
folks from 61 different countries tune into the digital programming that we offered up um, during Fringe That Never Was in 2020. And we learned that it's an incredibly important tool for reasons of accessibility. You know, we had folks who, for whatever reason, haven't been able to make it down to the Fringe grounds for the last few years who reached out and said, this is the first time I've been able to Fringe with you from home. Thank you. Um, so I think the impact is not lost. And I'm excited to see what that means for us as an organization going forward. And and I think the fun of being able to live stream now with an audience in the house and an audience online and a, and a we know, you know, we all know we're all in this together sort of idea is something I'm very excited for as it moves forward. Because where I was saying that we're not in the film or the TV business, there is a piece of that too where I see the world is now gonna be able to come into a circle with us through this technology. And so thank you technology for that. Talk about lifting up our community without having to put someone on a plane and get them to fly across the world and come to a thing. And yet we could be like, nope, welcome. And we all we all practiced that craft for the last 15 months. Yeah, that's really amazing that you guys have been able to get Fringe to so many more folks and to continue to build that community and add in that accessibility piece. I think that's going to be a, a really cool positive coming out of the pandemic. Uh, there are so few of those. And that, that kind of transitions nicely into my next question. What's uh, what's in store for the Fringe over the next couple of years? Any uh, big plans? So I think the, the biggest thing that we're looking at is that in, in, in this journey, like we pretty much from a strategic planning perspective, we look at five-year chunks and, and how we build out. And, and so what we've done, even in this time, is sort of mapped out a two-year little, little, like left ourselves room to be able to move around whatever's coming our way, but kind of walked ourselves in two years out. And Megan talked about this earlier too. And in that two years though, what we're talking about is we're talking about rebuilding a community, putting it back together and finding ways to connect and we now know and identify with those that have had to change careers midstream, there's a real turnaround and take what you know and give it to the next generation sort of building of how theater has made it through all of this time. And there's now a gap there. Mm -hmm. So we need to figure out how to solve the gap and, and make sure that the, the brand new generation that's stepping in in this year or next year or the year after that we've got them. So we're going to try to solve that puzzle as a part of that journey. And then really bring together community in a sense of let's build ourselves strong. Let's not worry about some of the other forces that are fracturing us right now. Let's find a way to strengthen us coming back together and, and being unified and in looking one way and actually operating as if those treaties intended. And the offer that was there from day one is that we walk side by side. And so I think side by side in a rebuild is probably what I'm looking at in the next two years. There'll be some fun programming in there. But am I missing anything, Mix? Uh, I think too, just um, the community hub and the cafe are probably like two really important pieces of that puzzle. So uh, we, prior to the pandemic, opened the Fringe Grounds Cafe. Uh, it's a very community-minded uh, space. Uh, but the whole point was to sort of support this initiative to kick open the doors of the ATB Financial Arts Barns and welcome the community in. And for us, it was more than just having a safe place to come 
work and eat and hang out and drink coffee and plug in your laptop. It was about accessing resource and so ensuring that all of our staff are available for cafe hours. If you've got a question about the grant that you're writing for a project you're working on, our director of finance will come give it a look over and give you some support on putting it together. If you need a director to pop in and be an outside eye during your rehearsal process, Murray can walk down the hall and, and give you some pointers. And so we really wanted to turn it into a place of mentorship and connection and of development um, because we know Fringe in and out of the festival is a springboard for artistic activity in our community. And we were like, how do we how do we foster that all year round? What does that look like? And, you know, the Barnes is one of our greatest resources and we want it to be used by the community. We want it to be woken up by the community. So I think in our return to activity in the fall, that's going to be such a huge part of a of our work and an active invitation to bring the community in and to have them sort of shape what the next few years of Fringe will look like. And then the festival is just like the beautiful unwieldy beast that it is, you know, I, we're going we're gonna to rebuild it. It's going to take us time. We're going to be thoughtful in the way that we rebuild it. But there's a lot of kinetic energy there that's bigger than us, too. So we're excited to see where the community goes with us uh, in that rebuild. Before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to say um, to listeners or to folks who are coming out? Well, we just can't wait to see everyone again. Yeah, we're so excited to fringe again. <laughs> and, and we've had just little little touches of, of like, people, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the love that has come from our announcement of how ready everybody is to, it's, you, I think Megan's been crying for two weeks straight Oh, now. and I'm not going to stop until the fall. I've just warned the whole team, like, I, I will just be a crying mess over the next couple of weeks because it is such a beautiful reunion. And I think, too, our, our artists, our volunteers, and our, our audiences are coming back to it with such care and such heart. And um, as Murray said, it's so humbling to learn how important this event is to people. Like, it's so much bigger than us. And... Uh, I think we feel so incredibly grateful to play just such a small role in, in what is honestly something that belongs to everyone, right? Like it's, we joke all the time that, um, it's not really a joke, but we say like fringes for everyone, but it actually is. And everyone sort of fringes in their own way. And, and for us to be able to return to that even just a little bit this year is, is a gift. So we're feeling pretty grateful. <laughs> and I would say the dreaming up of the theme this year, um, when you think about that, it's like together we fringe. It's immediately went. That's exactly all of it. We we know we need each other, and we want to be with each other. And 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 this way we can be together. Mm-hmm. And whatever that means for you, we wanna we, we wanna welcome you back and and be together with you and know that you're with us all the time. Yeah. Thanks very much to Aubriana Snow for bringing us this story. And thanks to Megan Dart and Murray Yudis for joining us on the show. We are excited to see how the festival turns out this year. For more information on how you can Fringe, head on over to fringetheater.ca. They have great information on what you can expect as you journey through the festival grounds this year. Of course, we'll have a few links in our show notes to that information, and we'll also have links to all of our upcoming student awards and granting deadlines. Be sure to check those out to see if you could be eligible for funding. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to share it with all your friends. If you have time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find our show. And come find us on Facebook. That's where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures from the show. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonking. And Andrew Paul. Until Until next time. time.
The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.